Hello and welcome to Lockdown Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car could ever need. rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. For today's show, we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag. We're going to talk a little bit of history as well. And the mailbag will lead into uh, what will be the lion share of the show. We're going to talk some 2021 MLB draft with the Indians kind of stuck on in hold for now until the postseason is over. There's not a whole lot to talk about, uh, not a whole lot going on. So it seemed like a good time to talk draft, especially because on Monday they officially finalized what the first round looked like for the 2021 draft. No surprises in that finalization. We, it, it's going to be exactly what most people thought it would be weeks ago. But it gives a chance, especially because in general, the 2021 draft, or just I should say the MLB draft in general, is not as well known. The players aren't as familiar. It takes them a while to get there, but it is one of the most important ways that the Cleveland Indians acquire talent. It's one of the most important ways they build their team. And to give you some names to know in the early going, um, maybe you're in an area where you can see some of these players playing a fall ball uh, or a summer league or just any of those opportunities to, to go check out some players maybe you wouldn't have uh, known about or had the chance to follow. We'll talk about more of that in a second. Let's first dive in the history of the day. Uh, since we were recording on Monday, to this uh, October 12th, that marks the 100-year anniversary of the Indians' first ever World Series uh, championship in 1920. They won a best-of-nine game series. That's how it was back then. Stan Kowalewski won a 3-0 affair to give the Indians their first World Series. They would get their second World Series uh, in 1948 on uh, the 11th of October. So that was 72 years ago, and that was on Sunday. And of course, nothing other than those two since. But still, the 100th anniversary feels like something that we should mark and you know look at and comment on a bit. Uh, I had talked about that World Series victory earlier in the year on the show. Uh, Stan Kowalewski, you go through that series and he just, his name is all over it. He really dominated that whole series for the Indians. Um, and again, their first World Series in 1920. Uh, the Indians, as a team historically, you can go through and see it's been stretches of success and then long stretches of ineptitude. The 1920 series it would be a long stretch of uh, ineptitude after that one, up until the 40s, when, of course, they started to put together the pieces that would get them their 1948 championship. So let's talk about the questions uh, from the mailbag that I had today. Uh, at Glenn Longwell 89, any chance we are actually able to compete in 2021? Of course, when you have the pitching staff that the Cleveland Indians have, you can always compete. They're not losing any part of that staff, barring a trade. It's still one of the best ones in baseball, even after the Clevenger deal. And they have a lot of interesting young arms that aren't super far away. Uh, Eli Morgan is a guy that I've been a proponent of dating back to, I want to say his Gonzaga days, but I could be wrong. Uh, sometimes. I forget those colleges, but his changeup in, in his draft was arguably the best pitch at the time in the entire draft class. He's still fastball changeup, and I will admit the first time I saw him in double A, I thought he was a, a bat boy because he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he just gets the job done. He knows how to pitch. He is a, you know, and he's a very well-built well guy for his size. He's just more like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, than what you typically see in starters, but he just continues to overcome uh, doubters with his height. And I think 
you give him a chance to start, but I think he has a very low floor as a future reliever. Sam Hentges is a huge guy who's a lefty. You can never give up on those types. And then there's all the guys like Scott Moss, who, or, you know, Jeffrey Rodriguez, who had a lot of starts a year ago. So nice depth still in Cleveland. I'll be curious to see if Tristan McKenzie starts the year with the team, if they try to have him go down a bit to manipulate service time. But, you know, the long and short of it is they have more pitching uh, in, you know, there's six through 12 or 13 spots. And some teams have uh, depth in their entire system. But the starting pitching depth in Cleveland is unbelievable. So, yeah, that's going to give them a chance to compete no matter what happens. Yes, the Lindor trade is probably inevitable. The lineup is likely to not be as good. And I don't know if they're going to have any money to spend on free agents or anything else. So that's going to be really one of the big questions. And then our other question comes from at James OS 3098-8211. How many high school players we called in the first round? I think, you know, there's always going to be a, a good amount, but I think it's going to be less than half. Let's put it that way this year. I think we're definitely seeing a lot of teams start shifting towards more conservative approaches in the early goings. I know when I was sitting here working on, uh, already released online the first half of my mock draft for all the teams who didn't make the playoffs, and I was working on the second half of the teams that did make the playoffs, the prep arms just fall. There's not a lot of teams right now that I feel comfortable projecting to consider prep arms. There's a lot of teams that have been extremely college heavy. And then when they do go away from that, it has been high school bats. The, those, uh, those high school pitchers, it's, uh, it's easy to see a way where those guys slide quite a bit. Um, guest appearance on the show from my cat there. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the quick pop-up. Uh, but in general, when you're looking at this draft in the Cleveland Indians, it's those prep players that they are probably going to draft. Uh, they have been very heavy when it comes to drafting prep talent the past few years. They have gone almost exclusively that way. And, you know, honestly, if I was smarter, I should have absolutely known the Carson Tucker pick from this past year as the first overall pick. Up the middle talent with bloodlines would have been uh, for the better part of half a decade, exactly their type of player. So I used what I'd seen through the years and kind of came up with a list of the five prep players. I thought trying to call my shot months out, the Indians don't even know remotely who they would consider. But uh, this is me trying to find guys who fit the profile, who should be names to know that I mean, some of these guys will end up uh, going to college. You mentioned they're all high school players. You're never able to know well enough to know who's going to get an offer, who isn't, who's going to struggle in the spring and see their stock completely torpedo. You know, a classic example of late has been Nander uh, DeSatis, who I think I had as a top 10 prospect in the fall. A lot of people did. It's not just me. He was draft eligible this past year, and that was a shortened draft, but as a draft eligible sophomore, Name wasn't called. We'll see what happens this year. But there can be just situations like that where a guy really sees a dramatic shift based on a spring performance, based on what they're able to do uh, from the summer on. And yeah, like I said, I'm going to mention five names. I would hazard a guess that at least one of them ends up going to college. But I think these are names to know that really fit with what the Indians do. And without any other big news to talk about, this is Cleveland. So 
let's talk about our real national pastime, which is drafts. Today's show, as I mentioned earlier, is brought to you by rockauto.com. I am not a car guy. I mention this all the time on the show. I cannot do pretty much anything with my car, but I can still navigate the Rock Auto site to easily find the parts and pieces I need for my car to then go to the guys I know who can help me fix my car. You know, go to the guy who, oh, if you bring me the piece, I'll fix it. That's what Rock Auto is perfect for. Because unlike a chain store where they have to pay for all of the, the stores, they have to pay the rent, the staff, this is one central location. It's a family owned business. And, you know, by having it in one place, they have those savings that they pass on to you, the consumer, reliably, they're going to have the lowest uh, price on all the parts and pieces you need for your car. And when you go to rockauto.com, you want to tell them that you heard about it through Locked On. Uh, so there's a little box that says, how'd you hear about us? Type Locked On in there. If you want, you can type Locked On MLB or Locked On Indians, just as long as it's Locked On. That's a note we sent you. rockauto.com, great prices, easy to navigate, all the parts you'll ever need rockauto.com and remember to say that lockdown sent you so i i'm just gonna be honest i have perfect game up for these five guys and why do i have perfect game up uh, on top of knowing a few guys there and thinking it's a fantastic site i'm not here because of scouting reports or anything like that when i pull up perfect game as someone who writes about this stuff what i love about their site in particular and makes them a go-to is the age not always the easiest thing to find, but they have the age updated and they'll often have age on draft day. They don't currently have that up. I do miss having that height weights. And then I do like to go down and see if they have any percentile rankings, which is just from events. If they have things like uh, bat speed, exit velocity, velocity uh, and the like, I scan right past their scouting reports because I don't want myself to uh, A, plagiarize or B, uh, be influenced by that. So without further ado, let's talk about five guys who stood out in terms of what the Indians do, what the Indians look for uh, with this pick. So the first player I want to talk about is Khalil Watson from Wake Forest, North Carolina, but committed to North Carolina State. Shortstop, smooth defender. He's a left-handed bat. He's currently 17 years and five months. So that means, you know, you can do the math. And he's young for his class, which is, okay, that's, that's a big, you know, sound, light-up buzzer. Young for the class player, that might be more than anything else what the Indians identify. If there's something they identify for more than that, up-the-middle talent, yes. Their system is loaded with shortstops and second basemen. Teams always want that. Teams are always looking to acquire that. There's a lot of value in that. This is not like drafting a basketball team. This is not like drafting a football team. You want to take the best player available. You want to take who you know you can develop. And what the Indians do well with is shortstop and second baseman. If you've been listening to the podcast on Thursday and Friday of last week, I did a nightmare team, not a dream team, a nightmare team. So I went through the all the players who've been listed on the top 100 prospect list for Baseball America since 1990 and put together a team of, I'm not talking about like Mark Lewis at shortstop, because Mark Lewis played like a thousand games in the big leagues. He is a huge success compared to some of the, the players on these teams who only got a cup of coffee or never made it to the majors. I was looking for the guys who had the least success in the majors. And when you go through that list, it was really hard to find shortstops. It was really hard to find second basemen. What could I find in spades offensively? Outfielders and first basemen. The Indians get those guys. They uh, 
rank well in the lower minors, they get up to the upper minors and their rankings start to dip and then they get to the majors and they don't stick. And that was just the story of it. And the Indians for as well as they do with pitching and as well as they do with up the middle of talent, outfield and first base was the complete opposite. So what that tells me is keep drafting up the middle talent because you can always trade a shortstop for an outfielder. That's never going to, uh, to be an issue. So just keep developing these types. I think, honestly, Cleo Watson is one of those guys who could see his stock massively rise and get himself uh, much higher than where the Indians pick this year. If you don't know where the Indians pick, and honestly, off the top of my head, I do not have that memorized either. They're picking 23rd in, this, in, the, next, in the 2021 draft. Uh, technically, it would be 24th, but Houston Astros uh, forfeited for cheating their pick, which... Side note, I was really amused when I realized today, if the Astros hadn't cheated and hadn't forfeited their pick, the St. Louis Cardinals would have picked 19th for the third. They would have happened for the third time in four years. Uh, instead, they're picking 18th. But I just, you yeah, know, maybe that'll amuse someone else. But to kind of get back here to Watson, uh, no doubt shortstop, one of the better defenders, smooth stroke, uses all fields, good eye at the plate some sneaky power for his size. And I saw some things with exit velocity uh, in the low nineties. That's, you know, strong for his age. Yeah. I think he put it all together makes, he, he checks almost every single box. Basically the only way he could fit better is if he was a cold weather talent. So the Indians have not gone as heavy on cold weather talent in the past years as they went years past. Uh, Cleo Watson really was one of those guys that stood out, but if you want your cold weather shortstop, then that is Alex Mooney who is uh, from Michigan. The Indians, the last prep uh, Michigan talent I can remember was Eric Haas, who was a, I believe he was a second baseman when he was drafted, maybe a shortstop. I don't think he'd started playing catcher at the time. Uh, he was the number one prep player in the state of Michigan, but he was an Ohio State recruit. So uh, just some fun facts about Eric Haas back in the day. So Mooney is uh, a Duke recruit, and that matters because Duke, has a hard time getting recruits there. It's a solid baseball program. It's not a great one. Uh, Jordan Walker was probably the biggest recruit they'd ever gotten this past year. And then he got drafted by the Cardinals at 19. You know, loop that in there. Uh, so he ended up not going to campus. Uh, Duke often does not get guys who are borderline first round grades. And Moon's a guy that you look at, like if I scroll through this, he is 18 and three months, six foot one, 175. And just going down to his overall, like the diamond kinetics, bat, uh, barrel speed, 98 percentile, impact momentum, 98, max acceleration, 96, exit velocity, 98. Well, how does he run? 95th and, or I'm sorry, uh, 94 in his 60 yard, his uh, fastball velocity, 95th. For, so looking at a guy who has the arm for short, runs well, hits well, is, you know, everywhere kind of gets the polished label type. He's a tooly guy with, with uh, some very polished tools. Uh, more ceiling there. I, I think he's another prospect that could rise as people get a chance to see him, uh, more of him. But then again, we don't know exactly what the prep seasons will look like. And we never know what baseball in the spring in Ohio or Michigan or any of these areas will look like. So that could be to his detriment. But again, checks those boxes for the Indians. Uh, not young for his class. Not necessarily old for his class. He wouldn't be a draft eligible sophomore. Um, well, I mean, when I think about it, maybe he would be in two years with them moving the draft to July for next year. 
but yeah, it's uh, he's just he. When I was looking at shortstops who'd be available in this range, he immediately I looked at his profile. I'm like, okay, yeah, A, B, and C. Especially when you think about the Indians and how much they've liked the polish infield types over the years. Guys like uh, Ty Freeman, um, some of their shortstops like uh, Miguel Cairo and uh, Jordis Valdez, who were high picks that were more polished than. Uh, performance. Uh, now Mooney's offensive tools are, are much better than them. Those three guys probably I mean, Freeman was always viewed as someone who's going to have to move offshore. We'll see if that happens. But comparatively, uh, you know, he's just another make sense up the middle type. So those are the two bats that sit out. There's three arms I wanted to mention that go with this. I'm going to talk about the first two and then I feel like the third one is the guy who really makes the most sense. Uh, Anthony Solomedo. Cold weather, lefty with good secondary stuff. Currently still just 17, but he will turn 18 before the end of the year. So not really young for his class. Uh, was interesting when I did read scouting reports, everyone talked about uncomfortable. And there were some talks about his uh, delivery and mechanics. The Indians, uh, when they took Daniel Espino a few years ago, showed they don't really care about unconventional mechanics. Uh, lefty, good secondary stuff. Cold weather arm, chance for growth. Uh, good athletic profile. It's basically what it came to when I was looking at um, Sol Meadow. The next arm to talk about is Jackson Job. I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm realizing even as I say it because I'm terrible at pronunciation. Uh, interesting, interesting player. Really did himself a lot of favors over the summer. Uh, 18 years, two months, 6'2", 190. Not the biggest guy. But he's a shortstop as well. He's a quarterback and a quarter cornerback on the football team. So plus plus athlete had some really great spin. Uh, some of the best spin rates the entire summer, which we know that's become a thing for teams to pay attention to. So you're getting this plus athlete. And I've always said that athletic pitching is something that uh, gets underestimated because when you have those really great athletes, they're less likely to wear down, less likely to get hurt. And over years, that's, seems to be like confirmed. I've seen that more and more. I'm seeing others talk about it. But the spin rate, the fastball, the athleticism, it's all there. He is an old uh, miscommitment for baseball, but I think he's got himself in that first round range. I think he's going to go somewhere in there. Um, it's a really good prep pitching class and that there's going to be a really good prep pitcher that falls in the second round. I'm just going to state that now. There might be multiple but the depth of this prep pitching class means that uh, the Indians could have someone sitting there this year at 23 that would be better than, in my opinion, I didn't love the 2020 prep arm class as much. I was very honest about that, that I kind of felt they're very interchangeable. I feel like the top five in this class might be, could have slotted in to the top, you know, would have been two or three. Almost everyone in the top five this year would have been no worse than like three or four in last year's class. Um, really like that group. And there's going to be someone who slides down the board just because of depth and because teams are afraid of prep arms. It's teams are looking a little more conservatively looking at those college bats uh, more and more. That's just right here when I talk to people, but uh, Joe, the profile is there. Uh, the athleticism, the secondaries and the spin, he is kind of the modern day type of pitcher. And then the last guy gauge jump from uh First comes from Jay Sarah Catholic, one of the top three baseball programs in the country. The Indians have a long history of drafting, drafting kids from California. 
have drafted a lot of players from Jay Sarah. He is currently 17 years, six months. So, you know, do the math. He's going to be young for his class, left-handed pitcher, undersized, five foot 11. The Indians are not a team that cares about size. They have gone with undersized players uh, often in the past. What he does have going for him is anywhere you look is the advanced secondaries, which we know the Indians covet. And that he has um, spin rate data. I believe I saw uh, good athleticism and a quick arm. And Indians like those quick arms. They like it with Lenny Torres, who was their uh, supplemental pick a few years ago, who just had Tommy John two years ago. But they like those quick arms. They like the well-developed secondaries. They like those strong athletic types, uh, good mechanics. Everything about, basically, if Gage Jump was 6'4 instead of 5'11", he would probably be a no-doubt first-rounder. We would just see his name coming up because there's not the only real issue I can see in anything with him is his eyes and sub six foot is always going to raise some flags and the Indians are a team that over the years it was interesting not as much but there was definitely time four to five years ago where they seemed to target undersized players so much so that I think they thought it was a draft inefficiency that you know they thought that this is where you can get better the best value so if you take an undersized player uh, he is being undervalued compared to what you're going to get performance-wise. They've pulled back on that a lot, and other teams are also um, not obsessing over height as much. But yeah, Gage Jump, especially when, he, you know, the program he's at, he's going to get a ton of looks uh, when baseball starts. Everything's there. It's a complete package. It's just how do you feel about height? And UCLA has been an up-and-down program for development and for player performance, but it is still a, a program that over the years has done a very good job of getting their players to campus. Uh, is he going to be a hard sign or not? But yeah, Gage Jump is probably the pitcher I think most fits the Indians profile. Has all that analytic uh, stuff, has all the things we've seen with the Indians. So just a name to certainly keep in mind and to talk about. I think Khalil Watson, Alex uh, Mahoney, and then Gage Jump are really the three that stand out for me. Uh, for Indians prospects. So if you were not someone who knew these names before, uh, I hope it was informative. I hope uh, it was fun to talk draft, even though the draft is very far away. This gives you some names to know, some names to look at. And especially once we actually get some college games, we get a little bit more uh, information and the like, it'll be a solid steady part of this podcast as we head into the winter and the spring. Of course, because that is one of my favorite things to cover in general, and it is such an important part of the Cleveland Indians. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast for this week. Again, thank you all for listening, downloading, rating, and viewing. Thank you to WKYC for being a fantastic sponsor, um, you know, partner, I should say, with us in this new venture. Venture. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You'll be able to find that full uh, mock draft posted on there. And as always, go Tribe.